Andy is still away, as you know, and we wanted to make sure that you had the proper point counterpoint. So rather than talk about the cards myself, I'm going to be talking with another Commander's Brew personality. It's Sean from a different dimension. Sean, how are you? Hi, thanks for having me. Yes, I am Sean from another dimension, and I host a podcast on that dimension called Commander's Brew. Okay, now tell us a little bit about yourself and what you love about Commander. Yeah, um, the Commander's Brew in my dimension is a podcast where we brew the most expensive decks using only high-priced staples that everybody plays in all their decks. Um, I, personally, I love Mind Slaver locks, stacks. I love non-deterministic infinite combos where you need to like play the full thing out to make sure they work. You can't just skip through them. Uh, and the latest deck that I'm working on right now is one where I plan on taking infinite turns. Uh, and I'm trying to figure out if there's a way to manipulate the rules so no one's allowed to concede. So I get to take infinite turns and just kind of take everybody's time for real. That's what I'm working on right now. Okay. Okay, I see. Um, well, this should be interesting then. Okay, new mechanics. The first thing we want to talk about are any new mechanics and if they're relevant to Commander. The first up is training. Uh, it's a combat mechanic. Those are always really tricky in Commander because... The creatures are so powerful uh, already, so they've got to compete in that area. And you've got to attack with a creature that's already bigger than you. So unless it has haste, it takes a while. It's tough to get a plus one, plus one counter on these, but maybe if you're in a plus one, plus one counter deck, that would be cool. Well, actually, I generally avoid the combat step i just wrath everything Fair enough to oblivion so creatures can't uh, exist the other in any new one is cleave at, so. which That's is sort of a... fair enough uh the other new one is cleave which is sort of a modal mechanic it lets you cast a card two different ways it's an alternative cost an alternate cost uh the example i want to bring up is dig up it's a single green for a sorcery and it says, search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, put it in your hand, and shuffle. These are useful, you know, in heavy multicolored decks with tons of basics. So you can use one of these to just get it in. But the other mode is a four mana tutor. If you cast a first cleave cost, you get to ignore the words basic land and reveal it. So basically, it just says, search your library for a card, put it in your hand, and then shuffle. Pretty clean, nice tutor design. What do you think, Sean? Well, it's an interesting card, uh, I suppose. I don't run any basic lands, so I can't use this. And if I'm using a tutor, it's going to cost me one or two mana anyway. So I don't see myself ever playing this card. Fair enough. Uh, next up are blood tokens. Blood tokens are just another trinket artifact. So we're interested in ones that can give us multiple blood tokens probably not too interested in any single card that just gives us one blood token but there's lots of vampires so i can imagine if you're a vampire deck then maybe you'd want a lot of blood tokens maybe you'll add a few of these cards yeah i like blood tokens cool i like the theme too i like the theme okay 
So do you do you have theme decks? I'm curious in your dimension. What are the kind of theme decks do you have? Yes, I do. Uh, I'm working on a deck. The theme of the deck is workplace injuries. It's uh, people with jobs and injuries. And, you know, people, they never get compensated by workman's comp either. They end up losing their job. It's very tragic, full of tragedies. Okay. Um, do you mind if we share a link to that tech? I could I could give you a link, but the link is only good in the internet from my dimension, so I don't think you could get to it. I should also mention that we don't actually play a lot of Commander in my home dimension because the alien overlords in my dimension have deemed it frivolous. So we really only get one day a year where we're allowed to have you know, our own personal free time. And I've decided to spend it here. Okay, well, thank you. Um, I would ask that maybe as you come to, you know, talk about these cards with us, maybe you can lower your level a little bit. Like maybe don't come at them from like a hyper competitive, super expensive deck. Maybe we'll try to present some more options what people can look at. Ooh, before we get into the set review, I gotta thank everybody for listening. Always do. Uh, we really mean it. Thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone who's donated at patreon.com slash commandersbrew. That's a great way to help out the show. Oh, boy, does that ever help. Nope. If you want to help out, you don't got the cash for that. No problem. How about a like and a subscribe on YouTube or a nice shiny review on your podcast app? That's a- an excellent way to get it around too. telling a couple pals, that sort of thing. Heck, maybe you're buying cars already so you can click our TCG player link and, uh, Anytime thing you buy cards through that link, we get a little slice of that. So that helps out as well a lot. And special announcement, if you are Canadian, living in Canada, that's important. I mean, I haven't been saying that, but like you might be Canadian living abroad and then this might not apply to you. But if you are living in Canada and if you're not even Canadian, I mean, if you're, you know, someone who doesn't have citizenship, but you're here in Canada anyway, long story short. If you're within the borders of a country named Canada, you can shop at the Wizard Tower and use our coupon code to get actual money off your singles. Let's hear an ad from them now. We're proud Canadian podcasters and we're proud to be sponsored by one of Canada's premier card stores, the Wizard's Tower, wizardtower.com. And Canadian listeners get an exclusive coupon code BREWCRIMSON to get 5% off any order of singles shipped to you for free as long as you've ordered $15 or more in singles. And you can check out our deck list for this week's episode and other episodes we've done on their content site, mtgcanada.com. And remember, at a vampire wedding, RSVP stands for Red Suits Vampire Pals. Let's get into some legendaries. Starting with some monocolored legendaries. First up, Catilda, Dawnheart Martyr. One white white for a legendary spirit warlock with Star Star. And that is the number of permanents you control that are spirits and or enchantments it's got flying lifelink protection from vampires if that comes up uh, but also a disturbed so if this ends up in your graveyard you can pay three white wedded and cast it from your graveyard as an aura enchantment um it's legendary and it, the creature it enchants gets flying lifelink protection from vampires and plus x plus x where x is yet again the number of spirits and and or enchantments cool little card i think you could use this in maybe an enchantress thing in the 99 and i think this yeah i mean it, 
if your enchantress in the 99 seems fine spirits tribal also seems pretty good uh i don't know that i'd build a mono white commander with this at the helm though but maybe okay sean who's next okay uh I will I will speak to these on a smaller level. So starting with Geralf, Visionary Stitcher, two and a blue, legendary creature, human wizard, zombies you control have flying, blue, tap, sacrifice another non-token creature, and create an XX blue zombie creature token where X is the sacrifice creature's toughness. Probably gonna make you know, it's 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 even uh, unless you have bigger toughness than power. You're going to turn a two two into a two two zombie. But the thing that's interesting is that zombies have flying now. This is a bit of a zombie lore. There's lots of other cards that give zombies some sort of lord type effect. Menace plus one plus one flying uh, if their tokens are not something like that. So the zombie deck is very deep. I wonder I wonder how this fits in. There's a lot of competition for those slots now. I think zombies might be the most supported tribe. Goblins are up there, but like, like, I don't know what to cut. That's the tough. That's the tough part of this. Next, we have Jacob Hauken Inspector. Very peculiar name. We don't get a lot of. Do we get last names? I guess we do. Anyway. It's, this feels like a very weird name. Like, this should have been the alternative art, and this is, like, the Dracula version. Like, he's in a book. Anyway, he's an inspector. One in a blue for a legendary human advisor. Zero, two. You can tap to draw a card, and then exile a card from your hand face down. You can look at it as long as it remains exiled, and you can and you can pay four blue, blue. And if you do, you transform Jacob Hauken, inspector, into Hauken's Insight, which is an enchantment. And at the beginning of your upkeep, you exile the top card of your library face down, and you can look at it as long as it remains exiled. And during each of your turns, once, you may play a land or cast a spell from among the cards exiled with this permanent without paying its mana cost. Free spells off the top. That's pretty cool. It is worth noting that the ability to cast it from exile is tied to the enchantment. So, I mean, if they deal with this, if your opponents deal with this, you've got to cast Jacob again, transform them, and then cast them. It seems like a ton of hoops. I don't imagine I would want to cast this as a commander. Who would I want to put this in the commander deck of, though? I'm not entirely sure. Anyway, interesting card, though. Henrika... Domnathi. Two black black. Legendary vampire. One three with flying. And at the beginning of combat on your turn, choose one that hasn't been chosen. So this can happen the turn you drop Henrika. Each player sacks a creature. Fine. You draw a card and you lose one life. Fine. Or transform Henrika. And the transformed side. So as I said, you can get this on the first turn you play her if you make that the choice. Henrika Infernal Seer. 3-4, Flying, Death Touch, and Lifelink. 1 Black Black, each creature you control with Flying, Death Touch, and or Lifelink gets plus 1 plus 0 until end of turn. I think this is another type of zombie lord. There's lots of other zombie lords that give zombies things like Death Touch or Flying, Geralt, right? So Lifelink, giving everything plus 1 plus 0 multiple times, kind of pumping them up. 
man, yeah, where do we fit them in? This there's there's a thick zombie deck. Thick zombie deck. Ooh, okay, I get to talk about Toxril, the corrosive. Five black black legendary slug horror. Lots of teeth, but kind of looks cute too. Like is making a little cute face there. I'm not sure. Seven seven. This is Demir. This is not a mono commander. There's a blue black activated ability, which is and I'll do it in reverse. That is sacrifice a slug draw card. So if you've got a bunch of slugs, it's a card draw engine. And at the beginning of each end step, put a slime counter on each creature you don't control. And creatures that you don't control get minus one, minus one, minus one for each slime counter on them. And whenever one of those creatures dies, create a one, one black slug creature token, which we can sack to draw a card. This is a very powerful commander. Costs you seven. That's expensive but will just eventually drain the table on each end step. By the time it gets back to you, everything is minus four, minus four. If there's anything still alive, it can't be that big anymore. And then we can sacrifice all those slugs to draw cards. Hoses token decks completely. Seven mana, though, there's some competition in mono black. for Again, it's not mono black. I keep thinking it's mono black. It's Demir, so interesting. You can protect it with counter spells. Um... I'm interested. It's interesting. Okay, I get to talk about Angie, Maid of Dishonor. Two, black, red, legendary vampire. Whenever Angie, Maid of Dishonor, and or one or more other vampires enter the battlefield under your control, create a blood token. This ability triggers only once each turn. And you get to pay two, sack another creature or a blood token. Each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. I mean, it's going to be tough to compete for original Edgar Markov as a vampire tribal deck. That deck is super competitive. It's right up my alley. It's the kind of deck I like to play. Super hyper competitive. Does Angie have a spot in that deck? Maybe. There's not a lot of room for four drops. That's a low to the ground deck. But, you know, maybe you want to... Maybe you want to make a more casual deck. Like, you can't bring an Edgar Markov deck to the table and expect people to think that's going to be casual. So maybe Angie is your casual version. Two mana. Drain for two. Each opponent for two is not nothing, but it's also... It's going to take a little while. So I think that seems pretty fair. Pretty fair for Commander. I like it. Okay, we've got Dorothea, Vengeful Victim. White-blue, Legendary Spirit, Flying, 4-4. When Dorothea, Vengeful Victim, attacks or blocks, sacrifice it at the end of combat. Um, so 4-4 four, four for 2, the flying that can only attack once. Not great, but it's got Disturb. One white-blue, Dorothea's Retribution. And you Enchanted Creature, like all the Disturb from this set, uh, when the Enchanted Creature basically becomes Geist of St. Traft. Whenever this creature attacks, create a 4-4 four, four white spirit creature token with flying that's tapped and attacking, sack it at the end of combat. And... If this enchantment will be put into the graveyard from anywhere, exile it instead. Pretty neat. I mean, I can't remember if the original Geist was angels or not. I'm not going to look it up. I'm just going to keep going. But yeah, and in 99, again, you were t it's probably the same deck. I mean, it's all from the same set, so they are tend to be synergistic with each other. Not surprising to find out that they might work with Katilda, but... I think I might like this in some sort of enchantress deck. Uh, if I'm going, the aura itself kind of makes you want to go wide. I don't know. It's it's tricky to evaluate this one. I'm not entirely sure where this lives. I'm having trouble thinking of a good home for it, to be honest. 
Oh, I got new Edgar. Edgar, Charmed Groom, two white, black. Legendary creature, Vampire Noble, 4-4. Four, four. Other vampires you control get plus one, plus one. Great. When Edgar, Charmed Groom, dies, return it to the battlefield under its owner's control, transformed as Edgar Markov's Coffin. Dude turns into his own coffin. So I guess Edgar is not in the coffin. Edgar transformed into a coffin. What a trick. People, you know, that's how Edgar's going to hide. You, you, you think you're, you're a vampire hunter. You go into the chamber and you're like, oh, I found Edgar Markov's coffin. You open the lid ready to stake him in the heart. He's not there. Has he escaped? Has he left the room? You search the mansion everywhere, but you didn't think he is the coffin just transformed. I mean, that's canon as far as I'm concerned, because that's how transform cards work. It's the same thing just on the other side. That's what I choose to believe. So anyway, Edgar Markov's coffin, which is uh, uh, which is the polymorph of what Edgar transforms into. At the beginning of your upkeep, create a 1-1 one, one white and black vampire creature token with lifelink and put a bloodline counter on Edgar Markov's coffin. Then if there are three or more bloodline counters on it, remove those counters and transform it back. He turns back in, and then while he's walking around as Edgar, everyone's just like, hey, Edgar, I don't see your coffin around. Is that anywhere? It's like, no, yeah, I don't know. But truthfully, you're looking at him. Next up, Eruth, Tormented Prophet, Erith, Eruth, Cool Art. She's in bed, tormented by devils coming out of the wall in the air. But and I guess that's the price you pay for knowing the future. And what does knowing the future mean in terms of magic? I think it's actually pretty good thematically. One blue, red, legendary human wizard, 2-4. If you would draw a card, exile the top two cards of your library instead, you may play those cards this turn. This is a replacement effect on a draw. So you actually are not drawing cards, so you can't lose the game by milling you have to draw from an empty library but you are not drawing you just have an empty library and you're just going to stare at it until someone removes Aeruth. and then if you draw after Aeruth has been removed then you're out of the game but it's interesting you don't get to hold cards in your hand anymore because they just go into exile and you play them lands are allowed and if you don't use them they go back to exile so interesting i think there's i think there's something here for some sort of storm type of deck when we get to that point where we're hoping to draw more action and drawing land sucks at that part of a storm turn eruth kind of keeps you going gives you a better shot at not getting too many lands so i think there might be a home there similar to bergy giving you extra or the the horn side where you can discard land cards or any card to look at two more cards and play one. This is pretty interesting. Stormy colors, too. Grolnok the Omnivore. I gotta say, Grolnok, you are ripping off... Who's that other frog with the leg coming out of his mouth? Why can't I remember the card name? I'm from another dimension. I'm gonna, assume, I'm gonna say that dimensional travel makes you forgetful. Two... Green, blue, legendary frog, 3-3. Three, three. Whenever a frog you control attacks, mill three cards. Whenever a permanent card is put into your graveyard from your library, exile it with a croak counter on it. 
you may play lands and cast spells from among cards you own in exile with croak counters on them. That's pretty cool. I mean, as a Simic value card, that puts a ton of value. Like, that's your whole, your hand becomes your exile zone, basically, as long as they have croak counters on them. Uh, that's value. But for Simic, that is below average value. Uh, Simic decks tend to want more value than this. I don't know. How do you balance Simic at this point? Where every average commander is already pretty sick value, but it's just suddenly not good enough? Ooh. It's a bubble. We're in a bubble here. Helena and Alina. Partners. Two red, green. Now the, first of all, these are, these are two creatures who were already partners on separate cards. Now they are partners on one card, and it says partners on the card. I'm a bit confused, but we'll go with it. Legendary Human Ranger, 2-3, first strike and reach. At the beginning of combat on your turn, put X plus one plus one counters on another target creature you control, where X is Halana and Alina's power. That creature gains haste until end of turn. This is mini Xenagos. It doesn't double the power and <laughs> give it trample or haste or all of it. I honestly forget everything that it does. I know it doubles the power and I think gives haste, maybe not trample. No, I don't think it does, because you want to run big tramplers. Anyway, giving something a permanent boost, not double, uh, and haste is pretty neat. It's a it's a much more casual version. The Xenogod decks tend to be pretty competitive and get hated out sometimes, because they can explode out of nowhere. But this one seems much more reasonable, if confusing at all. You probably should run original Halana and Alina, the partners that are not partners, on one card, partners on separate cards. See, it's confusing. It's confusing. Ooh, Audric, Blood Cursed. Uh, back on my dimension, me and my Andy, we do the two vampire Audrics. Uh, it's interesting. Wh where I'm from, Audric started as a vampire, and I think that in Crimson Vale, Audric became a regular person. Uh, anyway, here's your version of vampire audric audric blood cursed one red white legendary vampire soldier three three when audric enters the battlefield create x blood tokens where x is the number of abilities from a bunch of abilities found among creatures you control classic audric looks for abilities makes blood tokens oh wow your audric is lame our audric is fantastic vampire audric started great and like the human audric that just came out is like unbelievably great again as i mentioned i have a bit of time dimensional portal travel amnesia so i can't tell you what my audric does but it, i remember it's cool yours is lame sucks to be you okay old rutstein one black green legendary human peasant peasant i just noticed that that's the first time that's ever appeared huh you're digging, digging deep on those creature types, on the the class, human peasant. 1-4. And when old Rutstein enters the battlefield, or at the beginning of your upkeep, you mill a card. And whatever you mill, you get something. If you mill a land, you get a treasure token. If you mill a creature, you get a 1-1 one, one green insect creature token. And if you mill a non-land, non-creature card, you create a blood token. Interesting. Interesting. Golgari... Milling, that's useful. Golgari likes stuff in the graveyard by its nature. Tends to be good. And you're getting stuff for it. You don't get a ton of stuff, but you get something every turn. I mean, seems seems fine. 
Seems fine. It's like I got the whole wedding party here. This is Olivia, Crimson Bride, 4, Black, Red, Legendary Vampire Noble, 3-4, Flying in Haste. Whenever Olivia, Crimson Bride, attacks, return target creature from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped and attacking, and it gains, when you don't control a Legendary Vampire, exile this creature. Another example of a less competitive vampire tribal deck right uh any creature doesn't have to be a vampire to bring back but you need to control a legendary vampire we already talked about angie and there's there's a lot of legendary vampires out there so i i don't think you'd have a tough time oh the one you bring back can be a legendary vampire which will see itself being controlled so I mean, they'll have to destroy it to... Anyway, but this is an interesting conundrum. I like it. I like this card. Runo Stromkirk. Runo 911. Stromkirk. Anyway, one blue-black legendary creature vampire cleric. 1-4 with flying. When Runo enters the battlefield, put up to one target creature card from your graveyard on top of your library. Okay, we don't get it right away, but we're in Demir Colors. We could draw it with a spell quite easily. That can, that's okay, it's a little bit of work. However, this is why it goes to the top of the library, because at the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top card of your library, you may reveal that card, and if a creature with mana value six or greater has been revealed this way, transform Runo Stromkirk. I mean, if we have a big creature in the graveyard, we will transform them into Krothus, Lord of the Deep, legendary Kraken Horror, and three five with flying, Kraken Horror. 3-5 with flying, and when Krothus, Lord of the Deep, attacks, create a tapped and attacking token that is a copy of another target attacking creature. If that creature is a Kraken, Leviathan, Octopus, or Serpent, create two of those tokens instead. I mean, th this is pretty exciting because it's, I think this is our new best sea monster commander. I know that Thassa, Blue Thassa, the original Thassa was a good one for that, but being able to make copies of them, that's pretty awesome. And then you kind of get one into the field. The timing is interesting. At the beginning of your upkeep, you just you just reveal it and it goes into your hand. So you still have to cast it and you still have to attack with it. So this, you know, all this has to go pretty well for quite some time, but uh, you can get some pretty multiple... Multiple Krakens, I think, is uh, something that I'm interested in. Multiple giant sea monsters. Definitely. We've got Torin's Fist of the Angels. So, angels punch with a fist, and that fist is Torin's. I guess angels fight in Innistrad a lot. I mean, you know, they're, they're warriors, but I don't think about an angel punching anybody. That's a weird thing to imagine. I guess that's why Torin's is the fist. Anyway, one green white human cleric 2-2 two, two, with training whenever you cast a creature spell create a 1-1 one, one green and white human soldier creature token with training sure tons of tokens cast a ton of creatures super vulnerable to a board wipe fine okay now we're going to talk about some of the legendaries that come from the crimson vow commander decks there's two of them sort of a spirits thing and a vampires thing um let's get into it Next up is Millicent, Restless Revenant, 
five white blue. This spell costs one less to cast for each spirit you control, another spirit-themed Azorius commander. Starts as a 4-4 with flying, and whenever Millicent, Restless Revenant, or another non-token spirit you control dies or deals combat damage to a player, create a 1-1 white spirit creature token with flying. I mean, that's good value. Uh, getting your commander for cheaper based on your strategy is always useful. And Millicent makes more spirits as your spirits die, so you should always be able to get a nice discount on Millicent. Unless a big board wipe happened. So we run that to Fairy's Protection. Okay. Strefan Maror Progenitor. Honestly, Strefan Maror Progenitor. Are these words... Are we just putting letters down at this point? Srafan Ramarar Ramam Progenitor. Maurer. Strefan. Anyway. Two. Black. Red. Legendary Vampire Noble. Three. Two with flying. At the beginning of your end step, create a blood token for each player who lost life this turn. Whenever Strefan. Can we call him Stefan, please? Whenever Stefan attacks, you may sacrifice two blood tokens. If you do, you may put a vampire card from your hand onto the battlefield tapped and attacking. It gains indestructible until end of turn. I know these are the commander decks, but here's another legendary vampire that is not Edgar Markov, OG, that seems pretty neat for a vampire tribal. We're, we got a lot here. I like it. Donal, Herald of Wings, two blue-blue legendary human wizard. Start as a 3-3. Whenever you cast a non-legendary creature spell with flying, you may copy it. Except the copy is a 1-1 spirit in addition to its other types. Do this only once each turn. I mean, that's pretty cool. Because, uh, like, there's lots of, like, with flying. So, Consecrated Sphinx, Muldrifter, Peregrine Drake, Diluvian Primordial, uh... These are things you get to copy. I mean, they only become 1-1s, but they have powerful ETB abilities or just general triggered abilities. Look at it, you consecrated sphinx. So I'm happy to have an additional one. Only once each turn? That's fine. I can live with that. Are you pranking me? Timothar, Baron of Bats. This is not Timothy. Timothar. Strephon. You're just putting R's on other names. What, is there going to be a Duraniel Some, somewhere in there? I'm surprised they didn't change your name to Olivier. Anyway. Timothar, Baron of Bats, 4 Black Black, Legendary Creature, Vampire Noble, 4-4, four, four, has Ward, discard a card. That's a hefty ward. I'm, I'm not going to want to target anything that makes me want to discard a card unless it kind of takes you two cards to deal with it. Whenever another non-token vampire you control dies, you may pay one and exile it. If you do, create a 1-1 black bat creature token with flying, and it gains, when this creature deals combat damage to a player, sacrifice it and return the exiled card to the battlefield tapped. Huh. Yeah, okay. You can turn into a vampire bat, turn back into the thing. Pretty cool. Another cool vampire card. I like it. Vampires, a lot of juice. Okay, next we have Rhoda, Geist Avenger. Three and white. Legendary Human Soldier. I'll take the next two because this has partner with Timon, Youthful Geist. So this Rhoda is a 3-3 with Vigilance, and whenever a creature an opponent controls becomes tapped, if it isn't being declared as an attacker, put a plus one plus one counter on Rhoda. And Timon 
is a four and a blue legendary spirit, three, four partners with Rhoda and has flying. And at the beginning of each combat tap up to one target creature, which if Rhoda's out, we'll put a plus one plus one on Rhoda. That's pretty decent. Mid, mid power. I mean, these are probably greater than 99. One gets the other. And the vampire deck gets a partnership as well. Camber the Plunderer, three and a black, legendary vampire rogue, three, four, partners with Loreen the Diversion. Lifelink, whenever a creature you control dies, gain one and create a blood token. Yeah, value. Whenever a creature dies, not once per turn, not your creature, not non token, whenever any creature dies, gain a life and create a blood token. This is excellent wrath protection. Drop a Camber. And again, I think they're just putting R's on names unnecessarily, but uh, cam can be. So if you wrath the board, well, what are you going to get? Like 10 blood tokens and 10 life? That's pretty neat. Partners with Loreen the Diversion. Two and a red. If we're going to assume the whole deck is full of unnecessary R's, then this is Loreen. Loreen. Anyway. Bits get nulled. Legendary creature, human rogue, 3-3, three, three, partners with Camber, the plunderer. So this one has first strike and two, sacrifice an artifact or creature, maybe some of those blood tokens you got. Goad target creature. When you're goading creatures, there's a good chance they die because you probably have goaded vulnerable creatures or creatures that aren't going to live. I like it. Fun partnership. I love goad. Okay, last commander here from the commander decks. Now this is Umbris Fear Manifest, three blue black legendary creature, Nightmare Horror, and Umbris gets plus one plus one for each card your opponents own in exile. Starts as a one one though, printed power one one gets an additional plus one plus one for each card your opponents own in exile. This is not a star star. Um, Whenever Umbris or another Nightmare or Horror enters the battlefield under your control, target opponent exiles cards from the top of their library until they exile a land card. Oh my goodness, I forget what this is. This is another card. There's another card that does this. Whenever you cast a spell, they, what is it, grind, mill until they hit a land. Uh, and it is star star, as big as cards in graveyard. So this has to be an exile, although this doesn't actually mill. This exiles until they exile a land card. It's like super well now we need a keyword for this they gave us mill as an official keyword we need a keyword for mill into exile mech milk milk isle milk isle what is in the milk isle yogurt cheese kefir <laughs> i don't know what kefir is it's i am i think it's european yogurt not greek yogurt like a different kind of yogurt i don't know it's fermented it's weird it's supposed to be really good for you though anyway that's neither here nor there while we're talking about the vow the crimson vow commander decks let's talk about a couple of the non-commander non-legendary cards that i think are pretty interesting in there uh, i'll go first that's a uh, wedding ring i think this is going to be pretty big these are I don't know, we're always on the lookout for those cards that could this eventually be the Dockside Extortionist? Is this going to be the whole value of the deck? Uh, does it have a unique ability? I mean, Wedding Ring is pretty great. It's too white-white for an artifact. When it enters the battlefield, if it was cast, target opponent creates a token that's a copy of it. 
And whenever an opponent who controls an artifact named Wedding Ring draws a card during their turn, you draw a card. Whenever an opponent who controls an artifact named Wedding Ring gains life, you gain that much life. So, you know, it's like you're married to them. Uh, when they draw cards, you draw cards. When they gain life, you gain life. But not vice versa. So this is not a healthy marriage. <laughs> you don't... Uh, whenever an opponent... Oh, no, I guess it would. Because from their perspective, it says whenever you are the opponent. So, yeah, it is a healthy marriage. Well, that's good. That's nice. Um, I'm thinking Zedru could give one away so that you would actually don't have one. Oh, no, but then they have to have one, too. Yeah, hmm. This is, yeah, you both have to have one. I suppose there's that fractured, is it fractured identity? There's a card that returns a permanent to its owner's hand and everybody else gets a copy of it so you can throw wedding rings. Oh, no, but it wouldn't be cast. Oh, they thought of everything, didn't they? They're clever. Anyway, it's a very interesting card. And this is now the absolute best card for people who want to make actual real-life wedding proposals using MTG somehow. I know it's happened before. It will happen again. Now we have an official wedding ring. Although I guess we need an engagement ring. Anyway, anyway, it's still good. It's still cool. Ooh, I like this one. Predator's Hour. One in a black sorcery. Until end of turn, creatures you control gain menace, and whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player... Exile the top card of that player's library face down. You may look at and play that card as long as it remains exiled, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast the spell. If I've got a wide set of tokens, I'm thinking a Golgari deck, maybe with a ton of saplings or insects, something like that. Giving them all menace, and a bunch of them are for sure going to connect, and now I've got a hand fully your cards you don't know what they are i do i can cast them whenever i want that's a pretty sick card i like it i like it it's a little bit like villainous wealth but more fair another card that gives white an ability that they had not had before two and a white human cleric the name is priest of the blessed graph you get a one two human cleric for three and at the beginning of your end step, create X, 1-1 one, one white spirit creature tokens with flying, where X is the number of opponents who control more lands than you. It happens on your end step, so you'll probably get your spirits right away. And we're assuming that the mono white player or the Boros player or the non-green and white player will have fewer lands than most people. So yeah, now you're getting extra spirits every turn. This is pretty cool, and I think this is design space that I'm happy that they're designing in, and I would like them to do more of this. Let's just assume white has fewer lands and just do stuff with it. Great. Very happy. It's like the white cards are the most interesting cards because they provided the most new interesting things. This is Storm of Souls for white, white sorcery. Return all creature cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. Each of them is a 1-1 spirit with flying in addition to its other types. Exile Storm of Souls. Yeah. Yeah. that's You can probably set up some nice combos in there. Fill your graveyard up with creatures that have abilities that combo together. Boom. Here we go. I don't mind it. A little bit of a Storm of the Vaults kind of thing. Oh, Storm of Souls. Storm of the Vaults. I get it. 
So let's also talk about a few cards from the standard set, the regular packs, the draft packs, if you will, uh, that are unique and new to Crimson Vow that I think are pretty interesting in Commander. Faithbound Judge, one white, white, 4-4 Spirit Soldier with Defender, Flying, and Vigilance. At the beginning of your upkeep, if there's two or fewer judgment counters on it, put a judgment counter on it. We can proliferate this if we want. And as long as Faithbound Judge has three or more judgment counters on it, it can attack as though it didn't have Defender. Fine. That's not the exciting part. The exciting part is that it has Disturb, five, white, white. We can cast it as an aura on a player. It's an aura curse. Enchant player. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a judgment counter on Sinner's Judgment. Then if there were three or more judgment counters on it, Enchanted Player loses the game. I mean, we I'm always surprised to learn how few turns happen in a commander game. So you have to get this in the graveyard somehow. I'm not sure, you know, the front side as the judge, it takes, unless you sacrifice it or do something, but it's not going to the graveyard for at least two or three turns unless you get into combat. And then once it's on the back, it's another three turns. It does seem exceedingly slow, but it's a very cool effect. And I think it would be fun to put that in a deck. Okay, this is Cemetery Illuminator, one blue blue, creature spirit, two three with flying. Whenever Cemetery Illuminator enters the battlefield or attacks, exile a card from a graveyard. Any card from any graveyard. You may look at the top card of your library at any time. That's just a thing. And here's, here's the good part. Once each turn, you may cast a spell from the top of your library if it shares a card type with a card exiled with Cemetery Illuminator. Now, now, this is interesting. You may cast a spell, so it doesn't work with lands. Lands are not cast. Lands are played. But, you know, if, you hit an ar- if you're an artifact deck, you want to hit an artifact, now you get artifacts for one cheaper from the top of your library. Tons of decks want that. Maybe you pick creatures. Maybe you pick instants. Maybe you pick sorceries. Once per turn, you may cast a spell from the top of your library. Huh. Wait, now i got to look up if you're allowed to do that even if it's not your turn. Are you, do you, must you, yeah, I think you have to obey timing restrictions. Because it's not a trigger thing. It's just like once per turn. You can only do it once per turn, but if you can do it, so if you pick an instant, that's pretty neat. I like it. Maniform Hellkite. Glad I got this one. Two red red, dragon, four four, flying. I love Izzity spell slinger type of decks, and this is a red card, so it fits. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, I'm listening, create an XX red dragon illusion creature token with flying and haste, where X is the amount of mana spent to cast the spell. Exile the token at the beginning of the next end step. So we don't get to keep our tokens, but we get to get a lot of them. This would probably be great in a deck where you're doing all your action on your turn. It probably, I mean, obviously, if you do this on someone else's turn, you're not going to be able to attack with them and they will exile. So, although the next end step, so you'll have them on your turn if you do it during an end step, the end step prior to your turn. I think it's neat. Cool card. Cool card. That's what we do here on the set review. We talk about the cool cards. Another cemetery creature. This is Cemetery Prowler. One green green for a wolf. Three four with vigilance. Whenever Cemetery Prowler enters the battlefield or attacks, exile a card from a graveyard. 
Spells you, ca you cast cost one less to cast for each card type they share with cards exiled with Cemetery Prowler. I mean, this is a nice combo with that other cemetery person, the blue one. Now you're casting things from the top that cost cheaper. They each have to exile their own things, though. But you can exile more things because you get to attack with them and continue to exile cards. Pretty neat. Cultivator Colossus. Four, green, green, green. Star, star, plant, beast. Power and toughness equal to the number of lands you control. Trample. When it enters the battlefield, you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield tapped. If you do, draw a card and repeat this process. Okay. Landfall. Draw Every time you play a land with this card, you draw a card and you get to do it again. As long as you have a mitt full of lands, you can keep this rolling for ages. And just keep throwing down lands, getting landfall triggers. This is a very exciting card, and it seems very breakable. I would like to see it broken. That's what we do in Commander. We break cards. Ooh, board wipe. I love board wipes. I put like 10 in every deck. By invitation only, three white white, sorcery. Choose a number between 0 and 13. Each player sacrifices that many creatures. Yeah, get 13 of them. Sacrifice. So, I mean, there is a ton of white 5 mana board wipes this will not get every creature if a board is exceedingly wide and if a player has 14 creatures out they get to keep their best single creatures so that's risky however they're they get sacrificed there's no saving them hexproof indestructible don't matter sacrifice them hmm. another card that has draw a card on it and is white card Wizards thinks. Wedding announcement. Two and a white enchantment. At the beginning of your end step, put an invitation counter on wedding announcement. If you attacked with two or more creatures this turn, draw a card. Otherwise, create a 1-1 one, one white human creature token. Then, if wedding announcement has three or more counters on it, transform it. So, if we're attacking, we're drawing cards. Then we transform it, and it's wedding festivity, and now all of our creatures get plus one, plus one. I would love it if we could keep it on the other side, but I'll take it. I'll take it. Draw a couple cards, then we get our anthem. Amazing in a token deck. Man, a lot of tools for the white commander decks. Two and a white for a vampire. Two, three with flying. This is welcoming vampire. And I guess this vampire welcomes other things because whenever one or more creatures with power two or less enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card. This ability triggers only once each turn. Mentor the Meek did this, but you had to pay, but it was unlimited per turn. I mean, I'll take it. This is something. This is You don't have to pay, so yeah. Ooh, big boy. Hullbreaker Horror. Five. Blue. Blue. Kraken Horror. It's a 7-8 with Flash, and it can't be countered. Ooh, Flash can't be countered. It's a scary set of words there. Give it hexproof and we're set. Uh, but it doesn't have hexproof. Here's what it has instead. Whenever you cast a spell, choose up to one. Return target spell you don't control to its owner's hand. That is not countering a spell. That's more powerful than countering a spell because it works on things that can't be countered, like this thing. Alternatively, you can return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. So you can 
just cast a bunch of spells. I mean, realistically, you're probably running this in a deck that already has counter spells. So now, when an opponent puts a spell on the stack, I'm going to cast a counter spell. I'll let the counter spell handle the spell, and this counter spell will also bounce something to their hand <laughs> as the other ability there. This is a mean, 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 mean card. Um, sure. They exist. Very powerful. I mean, you're paying for it, so that's fair. Another disturbed creature. Uh, this is Mirror Hall Mimic. Mirror Hall Mimic. Three and a blue. Zero, zero. You may have it enter the battlefield as a copy of any creature on the battlefield, except it's a spirit, in addition to his other types. This is not a shapeshifter or shapechanger. What are clones called? Shapeshifters? It's a spirit. But what's interesting is it's disturbed, because if it ever dies, or if you mill it, or if it find it in the graveyard, you can cast it for three blue blue and enchant a creature. And at the beginning of your upkeep, create a token that's a copy of a chanted creature, except it's a spirit, in addition to its other types. And then if this card gets goes away, you gotta exile it. This is a cool ability. We don't see... I think there's another... We've seen this before, but it was a green-blue card. Now we can do this just blue. I suppose Helm of the Host also would do something like that, but this is a great... This is a great card for the decks that weren't green. They was like, oh, I wish I could do this effect in black-blue, or I wish I could do this effect in black-red. I don't know what those are, but I, they're out there. And if you have that deck, you know you want this card. I haven't talked about a lot of exploit cards in this set because, well, exploit's a tricky mechanic. We've got some good exploit already. It's returning, and it has. you just have to get a lot of value. This set is happening quite far apart from cons of Tarkir, Dragons, Fate Reforged. One of those in that block had extort already. It's where Sidisi, the tutor, came from. So we have seen extort before, but it's been a long time. I will say that the designers are retreading a lot of familiar ground with exploit. There's not a lot of, like, creatures with exploit that are doing very new things but overcharged amalgam is pretty cool it's two blue blue zombie horror it's flash and flying and it has, it's a three three so the the versatility is what makes this card interesting to me when overcharged amalgam exploits a creature counter target spell activated ability or triggered ability that's a lot of that's any that's everything everything in the game is one of those i think unless it's like a land or something like that but it's got flash and it's got flying and it's got exploit so if you have no creatures it can exploit itself to be a four mana counter spell on one hand you can just flash it in as a three three flyer if that's relevant to the board and you want that uh you can sacrifice a creature at instant speed by doing this yeah lots of cool stuff uh and i think the versatility makes it worth a mention Ooh, give me those curses. Curse of Hospitality. Sounds nice, doesn't it? Hospitality, but it's a curse. Two and a red. Enchantment or a curse. Enchant a player. Creatures attacking enchanted player have trample. And whenever a creature deals combat damage to enchanted player, that player exiles the top card of their library until end of turn that creature's controller may play that card and they may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast the spell. Wait, who's who gets the cards? Where do they come from? Whenever a creature deals combat damage to the cursed player. 
that player. Who's the that player? The player who dealt the damage. Exiles the top of your library. Okay, so yeah, you get to like exile your cards and then play them. Cool. Whose cards? I'm not sure. It's when you say that player, but you've talked about a couple players, I'm not sure who you mean anymore. This card confuses me. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Glorious Sunrise. This is a powerful enchantment. I mean, tough competition in Commander, but three green green for an enchantment. At the beginning of combat, on your turn, you choose one. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and gain trample until end of turn. That ki- That's very useful in a lot of board states. Or target land gains tap. Add three green until end of turn. That's super useful, too, if you're not doing anything. So in a sense, I mean, that's a tricky one. But, like, if you're going to pay five, as long as you have a, a land that you did not use to cast this, that land will pay you back for three. So this sort of costed you two but i guess you had to have six to start with so three anyway i like to think of things that way how much if you're using the mana rebate how much does it cost ultimately because i could still do something for three which is useful but we're not done we can do two more things we can draw a card if we control a creature with power three or greater or just gain three life worst case Reminds me of Nylea's bow, but it just works every combat, so uh, it's interesting. This is an interesting card. Powerful enchantment. Again, four-minute enchantments do a lot of things. This is a five-minute enchantment. Um, It's so competitive. There are so many cards. There's so many cards in Commander. They all do something kind of similar to some other cards, and in that case, some cards are just going to be better. And you just got to choose what's fun, what's new, what's interesting. And, uh, you know, whatever keeps it fresh. Keep it fresh. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm an advocate for a lower-powered meta. Uh, you get to play with more of the cards. You cut out... You know, when you lower the power of your meta, you kind of cut out the repetitive cards, the cards that lead to the same kind of play patterns it really does put like a new energy into the game a new vibe unfortunately if you're addicted to the value and the power it can feel bad it can feel slow so it's tricky anyway ooh, dollhouse of horrors five generic for an artifact one tap exile a creature from your graveyard create a token that's a copy of the exiled card except it's a 0-0 construct artifact in addition to its other types, and it has this creature gets plus one, plus one for each construct you control. It gains haste until end of turn, activate only as a sorcery. Ooh, ripping things out of the graveyard for one mana. They're little at first, but they get bigger, but ETB abilities, baby. And there's a super creepy eyeball looking in the window of this tiny dollhouse. The art is creepy, and I love it. Okay, this is a big one. Wash away. It's a single blue. It's an instant. Counter counter target spell that wasn't cast from its owner's hand. We got a zone in our game where stuff gets cast from all the time that is not the owner's hand. So this is a one blue counter spell for commanders. Pretty cool. It also has cleave, so you can use it as a regular cancel one blue blue counter target spell that's not a bad floor anyway to just have like some wicked commander hate Uh, i suspect we'll see this card in a lot of very competitive formats sean this is it this is we did it we 
finished the review, the set review, Crimson Vow and the Commander decks, uh, and it was great. Uh, I really do, I really do want to thank you. I had no idea you only had one annual day off a year, and you spent it with us here doing the set review in our dimension. So, I mean, how how can we how can we truly say thanks to you? Well, uh, to be quite honest, I was kind of hoping after I came here, I would just stay here forever. Well, I don't know if our, our two, is there, like, are two of us allowed to live here in one dimension? No. <clears throat> yes, um, okay then, it's me, original, regular Sean from this actual dimension, signing off from the show we do in this dimension. Can't wait to chat about more decks next week and uh, see how things go from this point forward. Thanks for watching. If you love what we're doing, consider supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash commandersbrew. And if you want to get any of the cards from our deck list, go that helps us out too. And for a free way to help us out, consider sharing the show with some friends. Like and subscribe, add a comment or two. See you later. Bye. Bye.